Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. <laughs> Kayla, do you want to start it? Oh, she's the guitar. Oh, wait, no, we're singing different songs. Oh, I don't understand. <laughs> and we're off to an excellent start. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante, and, and this, this is, is the Bechdel cast. <laughs> I'm having a panic attack. What is going on today? We started a different way, and it threw us all off. I'm willing to jump on the drums, Fernando. Okay, so this is the Bechdel cast. It's our podcast about the portrayal of women in movies. We use the Bechdel test as our jumping off point. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I have a question for Caitlin, and this will pass the Bechdel test. Okay. Maybe. Well, I don't know. It depends on, like, ABBA. We know that that includes some men. Sure. What is your favorite ABBA song? Well, this won't pass the Bechdel test oh, because my it's... favorite ABBA song is Fernando. Mine's Super Trooper. Okay. I feel like that's... Is that a B-side or is that an A-side? Uh, I don't know... Abba's like catalog enough to really be able to tell but so Fernando is my favorite Abba song Mm -hmm. that means that conversation does not pass the Bechdel test because the Bechdel test requires that a movie that you're watching has two named female identifying characters Mm -hmm. they have to speak to each other in the movie Mm -hmm. and their conversation which only by our standards has to be a two-line exchange Mm -hmm. but it cannot be about men so Fernando doesn't, and technically Abba doesn't. Because Abba is comprised of, who who all is in Abba? Uh, uh, the, a bunch of, bunch, oh, the whole gang. Oh, the whole gang's here, okay. The whole gang is in it, and uh, we love them all, except maybe some of them are bad, we don't know. Mm. I bet, I would say, I think Abba's four or five people, I would say probably at least, it's four people, Super Producer Sophie is saying. So I would say f- four people, probably at least one of them is not a good person. 
just statistically, where ninety percent mm. of people are bad. Uh, <laughs> and their names are, and I've we're, we have Swedish listeners. First of all, good for us. Yeah. And second of all, I'm about to really destroy the pronunciation of these Swedish names, but it's uh, Agnetha, Faltskog, Bjorn, Olveus, Benny Anderson, love that, and Anifrid Lingstad. Mm-hmm. So you know some guys and some gals, and they're all fully Aryan, and they're they're here for your <laughs> entertainment. Let's get into the podcast. Let's do it. So today we're talking about Mamma Mia, the first one. Do, 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 do. You are the dancing queen. Oh my god! <laughs> and <laughs> here with us to join our discussion is a very wonderful person, co-host of Punch Up the Jam podcast. Ooh. Miel Bredo. Hey. Hi. Isn't Ava two married couples or it was when oh. they got divorced? Really? I thought it was. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm like a low-key Ava stan. Just know enough to be dangerous. Don't actually know what I'm talking about. I, I totally believe that. They look like they're two couples the way that they're photographed. But the guys get the executive producer rights on these movies and I don't see the girls' names in there. <gasps> Ooh, I wonder. I think maybe the guys oh. wrote the songs, but the girls sing all of them. So it's very confusing. I don't know what's happening yeah, here. Yeah, you don't really think of male voices at all when you think of ABBA. Right. right? It's the gals. Super that's it as far as i'm repeating the name of the song in the background is usually the man <laughs> also shout out tom hanks and rita wilson yeah. who executive produced these movies mm-hmm. i this is okay mamma mia is one of my favorite kind of cheesy hollywood movies where it's so clear that it's like Everyone wanted to go on vacation. (laughs) Quality was not the priority here. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to go on vacation. I'm sure, like, all these actors vaguely at least knew each other, and they're like, yeah, I'd go on vacation with this. (laughs) Seems fun. (laughs) They all look like they're having so much fun, even when the movie is, like, so annoying. (laughs) It's an annoying movie, and I loved it. I love it. What's your history with this movie slash musical? Okay, I think I probably first watched it when I was, like, sick at home Okay, <laughs> eight years ago, mm-hmm. and it just kind of was on, and I was too weak to change it. <laughs> That's how all great movies are seen for the first time. <laughs> I definitely did not seek this out. <laughs> it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of stuck with me, and then probably like a couple years ago, I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch it again. <laughs> so I did, and I was like... This is trash in every sense of the word, and I love it. It's so good. And then they found out they're making a second one, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes. And I went out opening weekend. You so you've seen it already. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I haven't seen Obviously, we we're again. not talking about the second one, but in case you were wondering if it makes any sense, it does not. No. <laughs> the first one betrays so many things they set up There's for the so many one. continuity really? errors. Yes. They say the mom is dead outright in the first one, <laughs> and then it ends up being Cher oh, in the Cher, second one. Right. Whoa! It's very insane. That does not make any sense. There, no. Yeah, there's a lot of continuity errors. I'm just gonna treat it like Spider-Man, like when they just started over. It's a spiritual sequel. Yeah, that's so fucked. It's fun though. Oh, I love it. It's trash in a good way. Oh, I just like, well. and it's it's the movie. And Kaylin, you made this point the other night because we tried to watch the movie together, and then it was like literally twelve minutes in, and we're like, I we actually all have to go to bed. <laughs> so we went to Super Producer Sophie's house to to watch it, and we're just like, you know what? It's not gonna happen. There's just the lighting is you put it is so 
horrible. It's, it yeah. really like so. I'm not usually that much of a snob when it comes to like the visual aspects. Which is of crazy because you do have movies. two degrees. I do have a master's degree in screenwriting, though, not in film production. So I I'm not inclined to like pay as much attention to the more like mechanical side of filmmaking. I'm all about story, but. This movie does everything so badly that you can't not notice it. Like the lighting is extremely bad. The cinematography is so boring. It's this is so the weird. most static movie I've ever seen okay, in my life. You have to give a shout out to the one continuous shot when they're walking up the hill to the church at the end that is fucking insane. That is pretty. Yeah. <sighs> but I, sure. I'm with you because they do day for night the worst I've ever seen it yes. since 1920. <laughs> really yes, bad so day bad. for night. The editing is also really <laughs> yes. boring and bad. And oh, I the, wouldn't say boring. The I would say bad. Choreography is really bad too. Uh, no, no come on no i can't come on at this time it's, it's so bland oh it's there i do the whole first scene with amanda seyfried and her shitty friends um, who don't amanda, have names i don't think they do they, they do uh, the friends have names they like sing they sh- they shouted at each other where they're they say, like, like tiny this is our song no they we say are friends. we're sophie ali lisa and we're the greatest bestest mates i'm tough i'm tall i'm tiny and we're gonna rock this place that's the only time they say that <laughs> that's what me Galen, and sophie do every time we <laughs> yeah 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 uh that whole first scene is like <laughs> Amanda's is it Seyfried or Seyfried or does it matter? I'm not sure. Whatever okay. you believe it is. She has flesh colored hair. It freaks me out. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I do have a thing with uh, flesh colored hair. Uh, but she she's like squinting and the sun is in her eyes for the whole first scene mm-hmm. for Honey Honey. She's like Honey Honey Honey. <laughs> Wait, you like guys all have more eyes. like Sunny Sunny. Mm-hmm. What? Your eyes are way more sensitive to light when they're blue. I can attest to this. Ooh, I can't go okay. outside without sunglasses on. I literally can't see. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, because you don't have any pigment to help you filter sunlight oh. or whatever. Wow. But we, the, we have strong eyes. You do. <laughs> Your evolution. We have sturdy thing. eyes. <laughs> Our eyes. I have some hefty like eyes. <laughs> yeah, I got some pretty, pretty hefty eyes. Uh, but, like, all three of them seem like they're in pain that first number where they're like it's clearly very hot and yeah, it's bright it's just, out oh god the lighting jamie what is your history saw it this morning loved yeah. it oh i loved it i wish i had seen it when it came out Wait, uh, have you never seen it before this morning no <gasps> and it's something that i was like i knew i was gonna really like it you predicted i would really like it mm-hmm. i love i love a big dumb musical i really do i love especially i love hollywood musicals where no one can sing Mm-mm. but most of them with the extreme exception of Pierce Brosnan most of them can act none of them can sing that's my favorite kind of Hollywood musical when they can't sing or act that's scary mm-hmm. when they can sing and can't act like when they bring Broadway people into movies and it doesn't translate that makes me sad mm-hmm. so this is my favorite like permutation of this format where it's like Meryl Streep is Meryling out she does a great job acting and the second she starts to sing you're like whoa she's really bad but this is like everyone's having so much fun they don't even seem to care that they suck i bet that most of these people if asked would be like yeah i'm not a great singer yeah i would but i had a great time in greece they do look like they're having fun (laughs) yeah so my history with this movie is i saw the stage production when i was in college so somewhere around probably like 2005 in new york city city where dreams come true no this would be in uh, state college pennsylvania (gasps) home of penn state university where i did get my first film degree that's another city where dreams come true. Yeah, known for their Broadway shows. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Big touring production <laughs> town. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I saw it, and I 
I really liked it. I liked the stage production. Is everyone in the stage production white also? I, Ooh, as far as I can remember, it okay. was a predominantly white cast. Okay. Yes. Um, and then I didn't see the movie when it came out. I didn't see it until earlier this year. Uh, I went to Boston to visit friend of the cast, JT Taylor, Ooh. and he made me watch it. <laughs> Good guy. And I kept protesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said, I really don't want to. And he said, please. And I said, okay, fine. Because he's like, the, this, the, the new one's coming out. You have to be prepared. So He's I, right. <laughs> yeah. It's good when a friend looks out for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I, we watched it and I was like, man, this movie is is not good i'm sure if i liked musicals i would like this much better but i have a very very low threshold for liking movie musicals mm, so. i don't know that you would to be honest this <laughs> is not a typical movie musical right because they're of... usually better than well, this movie also, it's like, I, don't, I, I don't know already you have to get over the hump of it's a jukebox musical where they tried to string a storyline through songs so that, that is already it. were written exactly. that's crazy that's what the pro- this is why i don't like this movie the story makes no sense because they reverse engineered a story around <laughs> Yeah, it's across the universe. Right. So Oh, it is like, yeah, there's unless there's an I'm pretty sure this was like the OG musical of this nature. Or maybe at least one of the first really popular ones where stuff like Across the Universe, which is not nearly as good. Uh, I don't know why I think this movie is so good. I, really I don't do. know either. The word isn't I good, but it. it is on that spectrum. There's a word. We're going to find it. It it's is not good. It's, it's enjoyable. It is perhaps? popular. I think it's a word that doesn't <laughs> exist yet. Okay, let's, like we're yes, gonna create. We'll, we'll it. make it up. Yeah. We'll get there. This I bet this got nominated for an Oscar for like costumes. I doubt Maybe, it. Maybe, but the costumes aren't even that good. Like, <laughs> they're on the same one pair of overalls, one an Oscar. She looks great in those overalls. I like, was waiting for those overalls to result in a camel toe. I was on full Meryl Streep camel toe watch. <laughs> and? Because they seemed inevitable. If you're a frequent wearer of overalls, it happens a lot. Well, no, uh, you're a tall person. I think this is a unique tr- experience. I've never had a camel toe from overalls or onesies. Oh, my God. It's so hard to find overalls with like a decent torso length. Yeah. See, this is, this is your cross to bear as a person over five five <laughs> i was really i was really hoping i was praying for a streep camel toe and god was asleep oh <laughs> no didn't, didn't happen i think that's an me. automatic fail of the bechdel test it doesn't pass it doesn't oh no okay Here's so Guys, <laughs> where? Okay, so oh, and I also I did see Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Thank you. A few nights ago, and also don't like it. No. Don't find it. Removing Meryl Streep was a mistake. Yes, for sure. <laughs> do you think she was just unwilling to do it again? Well, she's my guess. Yes, she's in the movie for one scene. For a scene at oh, the end. She's in one scene. She's taping doubt to an extremely, an extremely doubtful, doubtful movie. movie. <laughs> And Philip Seymour Hoffman's just like a hologram. Well, it's kind of like how they killed off Meryl Streep. Uh-huh. Uh, they're ghost. like, well, the priest died, so we had to find a new source of dramatic tension for Doubt Doubt Do. It's mostly about Amy Adams and Meryl Streep starting a new religion. Right, it's right. Pretty cool. Uh-huh. Uh- doubt Do. <laughs> this movie comes out the same year as Doubt. Right. So Meryl, I like to think Doubt was filmed first. And, you know, because that's the kind of movie that she probably made like $6 for. <laughs> and she's just screaming at, at Hoffman all day long. Just real heavy stuff. And then she's like, God, I'm exhausted. Let me just, I wish someone would pay me a billion dollars to hang out in Greece and not really try. <laughs> 
The one thing I want to say about Mamma Mia 2 is that uh, this is not a spoiler, but there is a direct Titanic reference in the movie yes. where yes. Colin Firth and Stellan Skarsgård yes. are on the front of a boat. One is behind the other one. The one in front has his arms outstretched, and it's just like the Jack and Rose scene. It's the most like beautiful it, yeah. homoerotic scene mm-hmm. in a straight movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a <laughs> gift. The whole sequence reminds me of Fast and the Furious, if we're being honest. <laughs> Ooh. This has been suggested to us by former, uh, for, I was going to say former friend of the pod, like we hate her now. <laughs> My fucking enemy. No, former guest of the pod, mm. Faye Orla, mm. um, has really repeatedly flooded my phone with a demand for all eight fast movies reviewed in one episode. Oh, Jesus. Uh, which would be a hell of an episode. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Sophie's saying no. I'm just narrating Sophie's her no. head movement. No, 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 no. Sophie seems to be really not loving this idea. <laughs> but in in my my counterpoint is I did watch all the Lord of the Rings movie and that was the trial of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so uh, we'll be on the lookout for our Lord of the Rings episode. But uh, okay, so uh, I'll do the recap of Mamma Mia. Yes. So the story of Mamma Mia 2008 is Sophie, that's Amanda Seyfried's character. Flesher. She, old Flesher. Uh, <laughs> she lives on a Greek island called Kalakari with her mom, Donna, that's Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. at a hotel that they run together. In her, in Meryl Streep's beautiful but also busted hotel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Sophie is about to get married, but Sophie does not know who her father is. And she's like, who's going to give me away at the wedding? But then she finds her mom's diary that she kept during the year that she was pregnant with Sophie. And gets so excited about her mom fucking in a way that is like, okay, it's not like you shouldn't like not want your mom to have sex. But there is a threshold of like, you're way too excited that your mom is like she it's like yeah your mom you know really cleaned up that summer but why are you like she's like ah yeah i think it sets the tone of the movie right out the top of (laughs) women are so fucking horny in this movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) even for their own moms (laughs) okay so she finds this diary and in the diary donna tells the story of three different guys that she slept with over the course of a very short amount of time so these are the three raw dogs yes yes oh it was a raw summer (laughs) very raw raw not a piece of contraception insight no No. okay the timeline of this movie is very funny to me because if we're taking the lyrics at face value later on when they're like you go meryl it's good that you know you should sleep with whoever you want they use dancing queen young and sweet only seven which would imply that Meryl Streep is 37 in this movie because her daughter's 20. 20, Right. Don't pay attention to the timeline. You're going to ruin it. Don't even think about it. Meryl Streep's 37 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bitch, she's 37. Okay. A lot of sun exposure in Greece. (laughs) Um, So she finds a diary and in it, it tells of Sam, Bill, and Harry. And these are the three people who might be Sophie's father. So Sophie sends out wedding invitations to all three of them. She somehow knows their addresses, (laughs) even though her mom, Donna, has not spoken to them in 20 years. She's a hacker. She hacked. She fully hacked. (laughs) 
Amanda Seyfried's husband is kind of a hacker in that, yeah. although I do think he is just using Squarespace. <laughs> He's like, I'm making a website. It's really clean looking. So Sophie invites all three of these men to the wedding, and then we see a montage scene of them dropping literally everything that they're doing and rushing to their respective airports to get to this wedding. But they think Donna invited them. Yes. So they dropped everything to try to fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. A yeah. woman they haven't fucked in 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they fucked it is, once. It is so weird that all of them, like the men in this movie are extremely docile, like, and very obedient mm. to the point where it is kind of irrational, where it's like, <laughs> wait, you just showed up? Yeah, they're safe men. They're, they're yeah. super safe. They're, they're allies. Or they're extremely unhinged in that <laughs> I would be like, hey, do you mind sailing across? They're holding a very tiny boat together. Like, it's clearly not easy to get there. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sure. They might have fucked. They might have well, any everyone fucks in this movie, I'm pretty mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So Sophie wants to figure out which of these three guys is her father. So she invites them all to the wedding under the pretense that it was Donna who invited them. So they Which all also arrive. Makes no sense. <laughs> right. And they arrive and they're like, oh, we're here to see Donna. And Sophie's like, no, you can't see her yet. And then and whenever like, oh, your hair. Donna finds out that they're there, she pitches a horny fit, basically. <laughs> I love that horny fit. She's underneath <laughs> the fucking floorboards and is like, I'm so horny. This is my worst nightmare, and also my getting my, too horny. My, <laughs> getting horny is my worst nightmare. I haven't done it before, and I'm scared. Um, there's no. I I used to have this dream that everyone I've ever had sex with would just like be having brunch oh, without me, and I would. That's pass a nightmare. Them. That's, not that's a, a dream. nightmare. But that's basically kind of what happens. Where yes. like three guys she had sex with who she didn't think knew each other yeah. are all there twenty years later. And she's freaked out by it, but she doesn't ask a lot of questions. No. Yeah. Well, again, no, almost nothing in this story makes sense. It's also it. so. The boathouse scene is where they start incorporating this like very often on Greek chorus theme they have going on throughout yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yes. They just pop out of nowhere and like yeah, are the, part of the scene. All the of locals are like, "Hey, we're singing." The only too. vaguely non-white people in the movie, who I'm pretty sure are all actually white, still. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not a single Grecian person in this movie. <laughs> No, I feel I feel like the only Grecian people are used very much as set dressing. Yes, yeah, right. Like as is the the unfortunate trend in movies like this, where they're like, let's just put a bunch of extremely Caucasian people, and then we'll have people who live there, but holding not chickens, in, right? Not in speaking <laughs> roles. Right. They're having things thrown at them. They work for the white people, <laughs> and that is mostly, uh, unfortunately, how that goes. Right. Same in the second one. If anyone's keeping track, really, oh, they did oh, not redeem good. They learned themselves. nothing. So. Right. As long as no one learned anything. <laughs> okay, so then the dads are there, and Sophie's like, let's spend the day together. And then throughout the course of, like, because her wedding is the following day. So throughout the course of this, like, 24 hours, she spends time with them. She's kind of, like, has, like, a one-on-one moment with each of them. And during those moments, each of the men, Bill, Harry, and um, Sam, Sam right. 
are like, wait a minute, I'm your father, aren't I? And she's like, IDK. And then no, she's like, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I she's... literally never. Yeah, so she... much confusion is created where she anytime someone's like, am I your dad? She says, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> are and, you? Yeah. And then they later the reverse happens where they run up to her. They're like, I'm your dad. And she's like, oh. And yeah. that also happens three times. Right. So she doesn't know. And then meanwhile, like Donna is like, why are these dads here? I don't like Sophie can never find out. And then so like it's this whole comedy of errors kind of thing where it's like, I don't know that she knows and she doesn't know that I know and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then finally at the end, during the wedding of Sophie and her fiance Sky. Sky. So then at the wedding, all the dads are like, yeah, I might be your dad, but... We don't need even need to know. You're our daughter anyway. And Donna's like, yeah, everything's great and everything. And then Sophie decides not to get married after all. But then Which Pierce Brosnan's like, sense. why waste a good wedding? So then Pierce Brosnan, who is, uh, yeah, Sam, Sam. Why waste a good wedding? That's my Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Donna. And then they get married. And then, and then there's some more songs. And that is the end of the movie. It's another um, thing I love about movies of this nature is they take 12 minutes to end for no reason. Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> uh, so let's take a quick break. And then we'll come back for the discussion. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. <laughs> I'm starting the song Mamma Mia. Yeah. Okay. I know. Okay. You gotta go to that like weird augmented thing. It's like a haunted house. Because <laughs> it's scary. It's a scary chord. It's a cool thing they did. They're cool songwriters. They're cool. The A's were married to the B's. But the Sophie B's are the only us. ones in the movie. I'm so mad about all of this. Yeah. They should be called Baba. Baba Booey. That's the sequel of Mamma Mia, Baba Booey. <laughs> it takes place in New Jersey. <laughs> um, I'm on board. It's, I'm trying to figure out who, who owns the spaghetti restaurant. Like, what is Baba Booey? <laughs> sandwiches okay <laughs> call back to point break oh, um, all oh, right well, so uh so <laughs> I... this is our I'm most so unhinged sorry. episode i'm so sorry i think i i'm the reason i'm so sorry broke us. i'm so sorry i fucked it up <laughs> i brought my notes and they're really bad never apologize <laughs> this is a safe place no one ever brings notes this is thrilling <laughs> Oh, Bubba Booey. That's so great. <laughs> so I kind of, the first time I saw this, I like kind of went, I watched and I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to say about this. <laughs> like, what are my talking points? And then one of our fans tweeted at us with tweets from Keely Flattery, who is... Is that BuzzFeed someone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, she tweeted the yes Mamma Mia is a fun and fluffy musical but also the story is about a working single mother mm-hmm. uh, it's about sex positivity uh, it's about the importance and longevity of female friendships it's mm-hmm. about dismantling the pressure placed on people especially women to get married mm-hmm. also yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll debate that and it's about an imperfect but deeply loving relationship between a mother and a daughter it's men excited to embrace their role as fathers. Yes. It's men, father figures showing up for and prioritizing their daughter. And it's about the beauty of non-traditional families. So I was like, okay, this 
I can kind of use some of these as sort of the basis of that's I think that that's maybe a little bit too nice but mm. but definitely all of those are grounded in what happens in the movie and on the a uh, oh, serious note this is like one of those weird movies that I feel like these kinds of movies always do so well internationally because like a lot of movies we've been covering recently there are hints of female empowerment and sex positivity but the conclusion of the movie is always very heteronormative of like we're getting married and like literally every woman given attention in the story so I'm like kind of counting out uh, Fleshhead's friends because uh, we really only see them at the beginning and they're not in the second one they're, oh they're not no. yeah they, 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 like, they, they're not really characters no right. but like the four main women Amanda Meryl Christine Ron Weasley's mom right <laughs> those I... are their character names and uh-huh. all of them by the end, and I was like, oh, maybe Ron Weasley's mom will get to be single. But they don't. I mean, every single one of those women ends up with a guy or it's implied that they're going to end up with a guy. And there's all a so- there's a song for all of them about how they're going to end up with a guy. Mm-hmm. Meryl, who is like the most sex positive character in the movie, is, you know, married to Pierce Brosnan. But I don't know. I just like yeah. it's like it goes in the right direction. And then at the end, it just reaches kind of the obvious heteronormative conclusion. Well, that's, I mean, you're forgetting Colin Firth does say he's gay and end up with a man, a hetero. That's true. That yeah, that's true. Have... And I also will say, bone to pick with that tweet is that Stellan Skarsgård's like whole end of movie arc here is that he's like, I don't want to be a dad at all. I'm not ready for this. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know about the last third guy. Right, right, right. But to me, instead of uh, Ron Weasley's mom, she is Mrs. Bird from Paddington and oh. Paddington Two. So that's really oh, how shit, I'm gonna. Yeah classify her but um i'm calling her not tracy ullman okay (laughs) (laughs) everyone has an interesting take on this woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) she she is great in this movie and her and christine make the movie they really like give us that yeah i would like that movie Mm -hmm. right christine baranski is wonderful christine Um, baranski hints at her own semi-obvious plastic surgery and one shot of this where she pulls her face back in the mirror. Well, it's like a whole plot point. Yeah. They're they're like making fun of her for all the work she's had done. Mm -hmm. And then when she sees Amanda Seyfried, she's like, you probably don't recognize me. And they're like, yeah, because your face is so different. It's like, can we stop subtweeting Christine, please? (laughs) But she seems game for it. I know. And her back muscles are amazing. (laughs) I love her in The Good Wife and The Good Fight and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And Chicago, and what else is she in? Love it all. Bowfinger is yeah. my favorite movie that she's in. So Christine Baranski and Mrs. Bird yeah, let's of start Paddington with um, are Donna's two best friends. And they appear again in the sequel, and then we all love it and Sun have a great time. I feel like they pass right at the top when she's razzing her about the cookbook on the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of their stuff does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a great female friendship. I think um, there's really n- nothing coming between them. They're all like, "Well, why didn't you tell us about like who?" What, yeah. Like, but other than that, there's like not that much tension in the story between them. It's just like all it's all kind of positivity. Yeah, they yeah the few conflicts that come up sort of end with the other two like lifting her up. Where there are times where, and this didn't even totally miss for me but like when donna merrill Mm. occasionally expresses like regret or shame or feeling bad about herself or fearing that her daughter will judge her because her daughter is sort of like more conservative and traditional than her mom is Mm. 
but every time that happens, her two friends are like, no, you're great. Like, remember, you were so hot and fun. And then they sing Dancing Queen. And mm. anytime, like, Meryl's feeling, like, they do the friend thing. And they're like, no, you're you're the best. And you fucked so much. And we thought that was awesome. Yeah, you raw-dogged hard, hard. Yeah. that summer. And then, and then Meryl's like, you know what? I did raw-dog a lot that summer. <laughs> and then she starts to dance on the bed. And I was like, this rules. Yeah, so it's like women uplifting other women. That's, That's right. very nice Does to Dancing see. Does Dancing Queen pass? Dancing you queen. are the, the yeah. I don't think it mentions young and men. Sweet over, does it? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it does. At least there are exchanges that do. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because like in this movie, they give random characters. They try, <laughs> I love how they. It's such everything is a reach in terms of contextualizing it. Where mm. the end of Honey, Honey, where it's like all about her mom fucking, and at the end, it's like, but I wish I had a daddy. <laughs> That's the end. You're just like, hmm. you miss me with that. I think <laughs> that is one of the big problems that I have with this movie is yes. that it's a story driven by Sophie desperately needing to know who her father is and feeling emptiness because she does not have a father in her life. I think um, Sophie is like my least favorite character in the movie. Oh, she's insufferable. She sucks. <laughs> she super sucks. Not that it's like... her fiance is like, I don't really want to get married. Can we please not? And her mom's like, hey, why are you doing this? And she's like, fuck you. I'm, around, I'm establishing a ruse. I want she, three men here. She, this is the lamest parent trap ever. Yeah. It like, <laughs> literally is. is. And that's not to say, like, if you don't know who one of your parents is, it's okay that that could bother you. Like, sure. that's logical. That's fine. But the way she goes about it, just, may, you know, she's like, oh, this is the key. And that's not really thoroughly challenged. Yeah, I think I her, like, she says something like, I need to I need to know who my dad is in order to feel complete. Direct quote from the movie yeah. is that I yeah. feel like there's a part of me missing. And I think at one point, Sky, her fiancé, says something like, no, you like you just need to figure your own self out. Like knowing who your dad is isn't gonna like help you find yourself. Like you have to find yourself. He says you already have a family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that, but I think that's the extent to which that goes challenged. And well, at then... the end though, her whole arc is realizing the error of her ways. She yeah, ends up being like, right. "Why did I need a dad? I've had you this whole time. You gave me away at the wedding." But then it's also like, "Why do I need a dad? I have three dads now." So it's right. like. Mm. I, it, I feel like the message wasn't like my mom was enough the whole time. It was what, like no, mom I gives have her away at the wedding. Parents. Yeah, but then the mom gets married. I don't know. Well, again, so so much of this movie doesn't make like characters' reactions to things often don't make sense. But the the right. story is written that way to serve the next song that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like a discussion that we would like usually have in an episode like this. We're just like, well. It doesn't even make any sense. No, you like can't. nothing makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. It's just a series of setups for another ABBA song. But but like building a movie around the theme of like the very regressive giving away, like one man gives you away to another man, and mm-hmm. it's like no, uh, my mom gonna give me away to another man. But then but then she doesn't get married. I think Sky should dump her personally because <laughs> she's not awesome. It seems like you know Sky's here. He's got his Squarespace account. He's, <laughs> he seems to like really care about her. He's helpful. He goes along with her family, and she's always like, "I'm scamming people, and I'm mad, and I'm yelling at my mom." Yeah, she is like, rather than like just talking to anyone about what's troubling her, like instead of being like, "Hey, mom, could you maybe give me a little more information about who my father might be?" She like steals her diary reads it which is like a huge violation of her mom's privacy then 
goes through the trouble of like inviting those guys like she doesn't know how those relationships like panned out or like how they ended like they might have like who knows no she actually knows that sam like cheated on his fiance with her mom oh that's and that's how they left things and she invited him anyway that's right that sucks yeah that's really mean to your mom right it's very selfish what she's doing like yeah Instead of because uh, and maybe I really love because there were some moments of watching this movie where I was just smiling so much that I don't think I was fully listening. Uh, <laughs> does she ever reference ever being like? And I asked my mom who my father was, and she said, "No, I'm never going to tell you," and that's why she's scamming. At the very beginning, she says something to the effect that Donna had told her, like, "Oh, it was just a summer romance, right. and that's all." She's like, "And I came to accept that that's all I'd ever know." And right. then when she finds this diary, she's like, oh, I can use this to, like, piece together the puzzle. But it is supposed to be a reveal at the end at the altar when Meryl Streep's like, I don't know which one it is. That's supposed to be right. news. Mm-hmm. But, like, da-doy, you don't know. Like, what? Right. <laughs> How what? is that a surprise? Like, we put that together as viewers in the first scene. <laughs> there, It is weird. I don't know. I mean, to an extent, like you were saying, Caitlin, like, tearing apart the plot of this movie is, like, pointless. It is fun, but it is also pointless. But yeah, like the thing was like, she could, she's she's an adult. She could go up to her mom and be like, hey, I'm getting married. And I'm like, sorry if this makes you uncomfortable. You don't have to answer. But like, do you know who my father is? We're led to believe they have a good relationship. But I will say we see them together very little. And when they are together, there's like, seems to be some animosity between each other. Because it seems like Donna disapproves of this wedding and of her getting married to Skye. She for sure does. Yeah. But so, then it's all remedied with slipping through my fingers. That's like the big moment of like, fuck. I just, I don't want great. you to grow up. That's what this really is. I love you. Mm. And she's like, let me too, mom. Come here. I did like that. I don't know. I, li- I li- That scene, it made me cry. It made me think about my mom. Aww. That made you cry? Yeah. I, I cried when Meryl Streep cannonballed off the dock at the I end did. of Dancing Queen <laughs> in the fake slow-mo like they couldn't afford a higher frame rate. What the fuck was that? They were just like, that passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> no, Meryl Streep doing a cannonball passes the Bechdel test. The lady throwing her sticks in the air and joining the dancing conga line, that passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> oh, yes. Does she come back in the second movie? I feel like there's a quick reference to I her. I think there is. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't join them. Well, oh, my God. Oh. But there is at the... Uh, just to, to close the loop on the mother-daughter relationship, it is weird and all over the place, as is all of this movie. I did like at the end where one of the few coherent themes of this was Meryl Streep fearing being judged by her own daughter mm-hmm. for past promiscuity. That is like a definite thing that we know mm-hmm. that she's worried about her daughter learning about and passing judgment on. And I do close that loop like right before the fucking nuts wedding not wedding scene where Meryl like kind of directly asks her like she's like I'm sorry and like do you hate me because I fuck a lot which is passive aggressive you know but and then Amanda Saver's like no you can fuck whoever you want you're my mom I think she even says you can have sex with a hundred people and I wouldn't care and then she's like not a hundred people what yeah I thought I was like was that true I was like did you fuck the priest (laughs) But but it seems nice, and the, and then Amanda Seyfried's like, "You give me away," and then I did cry. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, then you're gonna ball in the second one. No, I love. I I do like. I know that you don't like wedding culture. I like. I love wedding culture. <laughs> I love wedding culture. I love wedding culture. I like looking at other people's I, I Pinterest just, boards oh, and just seeing what they every, do. And... Never, well, let's take a quick break, and then <laughs> we'll be right back with my hot takes about weddings. Swish. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're back. Mama I do. Mia. Mia. Bum, bum, <laughs> everyone knows Papa Philly. Boys the best to meet Paul. 
Oh, no. I really quickly, I do want to say about, so here are my problems with weddings, and then we can move on to something else. (sighs) MRAs are about to slide in. Mm. Get ready. Well, you know what? If MRAs don't hate us, then we're not, we're not doing a good job. That's true. I think. That's true. So weddings, traditional hetero weddings are steeped in pretty sexist traditions where it's like, oh, my daughter is property and I, the father, yeah. have to give her literally away. Or pay to you to another, marry her. Or, right. right. Yeah, I have to give you 400 goats <laughs> to get rid of this bitch. Yeah. So th- the fact it. that like we maintain that tradition in contemporary weddings is really baffling to me that's another thing that made me not like sophie because i don't i don't have a problem with what i mean i understand that wedding culture and marriage is inherently patriarchal and and Mm. regressive Mm -hmm. but sophie's character is like it's so weird where this is oh this was the moment where i was like sky should dump her where basically he calls her out where and i and i hate taking a man's side on literally anything but i am sort of like team sky on this one because he also says to her he's like listen i didn't want to get married and i put my life on hold because i love you and this is what you said you wanted and now it turns out that you were just throwing a big fucking parent trap that has nothing to do with me and she's like so what do you not love me and he's like no i do but i why did you turn this thing into a parent trap and you spent all our money on a parent trap. And that's frustrating. That's a frustrating quality in a mate. Much like Disney's The Parent Trap, where Lindsay Lohan, one of the characters, is like, I'm not going to be complete until I've met my father because a daddy is such a crucial part of a girl's life. And it, like that movie. But at least it goes both ways where it's also with the parent the trap, desire yes. for a mother. Yeah. In this movie, like she already has a very strong bond with her mother. She has seems like good relationships with her mother's friends is unclear how often she sees not, them not, not Christine Bransky is a new face every time she yeah. sees her <laughs> they act like they, do you remember me <laughs> but it seems like between Sophie's mom and Skye she has at least a couple of loving relationships so it's just a little unclear to me why she feels so empty and so incomplete by not knowing who her dad is. And again, I that mean, might be a sensation. Arc. It's her arc. Yeah. That's her. I like she's projecting. I wouldn't want to like make anyone like if I. I mean, I don't. I was lucky enough to grow up with both of my parents, so I wouldn't know what it's like to have a missing parent. I'm like it. It sounds like there's a level of trauma for that for depending on who you are mm-hmm. based on star wars i think it's a pretty big deal yeah exactly and if we, we are using that as our yardstick it's a metric now um i know plenty of uh people though who grew up with a single parent and they don't seem to be pining but for... do they not right. know who their other parent is because i think that's the component that seems to be key mm. in star wars and in mom <laughs> <laughs> was my parent those <laughs> are two yardsticks <laughs> I just I just like I, I wouldn't want to like shame anyone for like because I think that that is a rational feeling sure but the way the story plays it out is a little bit it doesn't challenge that yeah I, under, I understand yeah. the the feeling uh what I think I'm bothered by is her explaining that she feels incomplete like she needs a man in her life as a father figure and not having her, that makes her feel incomplete. Like the, right. the implication is me as a woman, in order to feel complete, there needs to be a male presence there. And that's what is like, I'm having right trouble with. I didn't get that. I mean, I think technically it's probably true on paper, but I sense that it was just a matter of 
I want to know who both my parents are. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel inherently like I, because she never even says like, no one was there to teach me how to change a tire. Like there was no like allusion to like I need a man. Like I really right. didn't get that. And from what I got from Sky, it sounds like they met while he was traveling. Yeah, yeah. And he just like stopped on an island. And was like, okay, hey, I'm gonna stay, I guess, and marry her. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I get the sense that it's always been her and her mom, and that's not been an issue. But now that she's getting married, it's like, well, I kind of fucking do want to know who my dad is, though. Mm. Right. I, I don't know. I, the female stuff's so strong in this movie. I didn't really feel like it was a matter of, like, we need men. And, in fact, Christine's storyline to me was, like, the exact opposite. She's like, I just want to fuck, and I don't care about men. <laughs> I, it's, it's weird. Where this whole story is weird. I don't begrudge someone for wanting to know who both their parents are. But it is, like, I, I do see what you're saying, Caitlin, with, like, the feeling of... And and I feel like Meryl Streep's character even kind of articulates this a little mm-hmm. bit of like, mm-hmm. I understand that you want to know who your dad is, but it does make me feel bad that you feel such a gaping hole yes. in your life when I tried really hard. Yes. But, but they sort of seem to resolve that by the end. And then there's that great, Meryl Streep has a great line, even though the storyline doesn't really end up reflecting it at all but like when i guess like pierce brosnan is supposed to be her one true love which is i've never seen less chemistry between two people in my whole life than meryl streep and pierce brosnan howling like wolverines at the top of a grecian mountain to what's the fucking song the winner takes all winner takes all but it's like a That shot is also impressive, I will say. That is a good shot. Yeah, it's a good shot. But Pierce Brosnan and Meryl Streep are so physically far yes. away from each other and singing and not making eye contact. And they rearranged it. Charming. I hate it. They don't yeah. put the band in. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But the, the Pierce thing. Okay, so she sees him again. And it took me a while to figure out he was the true love, which it makes sense. In, but I, I don't, anyways, I didn't I didn't figure it out until he's like, he's like, I've loved you this whole, like, to me, there's nothing that it, really clearly indicates. It's well, reflected they, in the they, journal. That's why they make Cold Firth gay. because it's like, let's just take him off the table uh, so you don't feel bad for him. Skarsgård's a drunk. Yes. He's a mess. Skarsgård the whole time is like, I don't want to be here. I'm going to leave. I, and then Ron Weasley's mom's like, no, you ain't. <laughs> Skarsgård, I feel like, disappears from the movie for a solid 45 minutes. And I forgot. <laughs> I was here. I wanted to see a quivering. There's something about Colin Firth where it's like, it just always he's acting like he's always someone's just thrown a bucket of water out to him where he's just quivering <laughs> that's why you want to have sex with him yeah, in like a bad way though right I'm just like you're so I'm going to fix you yeah like, I that's, feel sorry I'm for going, you <laughs> going to fix you you poor puppy but Meryl and Pierce are having some sort of confrontation and you're like sure we're doing this but she's said like he's like what you didn't like, and none of the men say anything outright misogynist but they're sort of like Meryl Streep's magical vagina makes anyone fall in love with her for decades. Like, oh, yeah. it's just a thing. And um, Can you imagine knowing someone for a week 20 years ago and still considering them, like, a viable part of your life? dinghy and watch my daughter get married? He's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fuck what? yeah. Why did Colin Firth even go? But anyway, uh, <laughs> she says, I love being on my own. I wake up every morning and I thank God for not having a middle-aged menopausal man, blah, blah, blah. And I'm single and it's great. Mm-hmm. Which is great. But when she's saying it, you can tell that she's like, she doesn't really feel that way. Well, then she sings money, money and talks about how much she wants to just marry a rich man. This is after and he, that. Right. And they do another Titanic reference. 
Do they? I mean, no one's holding her, but she's doing the oh, pose she is at the bow in front of the boat. Of the boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does. Yes. Mm-hmm. They just like love Titanic in the well, Abba that was, universe. That's her uh, I'm the king of the world moment. Uh-huh. Yeah, Big okay. Right, right, that right. number is so weird, too, because that number starts with her breaking one of her own windows, and then she goes down to pick up the window, and then people start throwing money at her, and you're like, what are they giving her Again, money for? It's like this great course thing they do for one third of the movie, and they're like, never mind. It's not working. <laughs> yeah. Stop. They're, they're like, were Greek people only available? for a handful of days. <laughs> Very weird. Because there's sometimes where the, her like hotel whatever it is seems Hotel Belladonna. Full mm-hmm. of people <laughs> and employees. Guests, not sure. No. And then other times where it's abandoned. <laughs> yeah, it's because the Squarespace has taken a while. <laughs> oh wait there is a full-on blooper just in the middle of the scene that they keep in there it was just like they did one take it's when um christine bransky meryl streep and mrs Runway bird <laughs> christine's like oh i know that you're gonna make a fortune with webs webs oh no she meant to say sky's website but she says webs and then they like make fun of her for it and like it's clear that it was like not in the script and she just like bloopered the hell out of that I and then that was I love the script that. really yeah i was like I'm th- i know the exact scene they're on the bench like drinking in the morning yeah and i was like wow they're like really good at seeming authentic is she <laughs> that maybe she's that good i don't know why would she no why opinion. would that that serve no purpose in the, like i think there was <laughs> just, just a blooper. establishing friendship i don't know it seemed like a really good choice to me i was like i believe it now well then it i mean because then they I like laugh really together register. and they're like they rasp each other i'm pretty sure that's a blooper <laughs> and they just left it in but I would say that most of the like explicitly problematic things that get said or like moments in the movie come in the form of an ABBA song where like the one you were talking about where she's like, all I want to do is just find a rich man to marry to take care of me. And it's like, oh, that's not really. Wait, what? That's not. And then. I felt, okay, not to stand out for like. I thought the nature the that number was kind of playful and dumb and yeah in in context I don't think she, I I wasn't like oh this is sending a bad message because she didn't really mean it sure and everything she says afterwards indicates that she didn't really mean it she's like no. yeah it'd be great if someone just like gave me a ton of fucking money I say that all the time though I'm always like yeah I wish that some loser would give me a billion dollars so I could do whatever the fuck I want well <laughs> what I'm saying is that unlike a lot of movies we've covered there's no like explicitly problematic things that get said throughout the course of the movie except Except for in songs that are 30 years old. Like there's another moment right. later on where it's when Sky is singing and he's all like, I'm possessive and every man I see is a oh, potential threat. Love on <laughs> yeah, that's the porno scene. That's, that's, that's right, where right, they right. fully fuck on a beach. But he's, all his friends. he's basically saying <laughs> like. But that's kind of like Baba Booey's problem, right? <laughs> like that's Abba's problem and not the movie's right, problem. Right, 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 yeah. right. It makes no sense for his arc or their storyline at all. None I think whatsoever. they just couldn't shoehorn in that song. So they were like, I don't know. This guy can't sing at all. There's a lot. Oh, God. When they're like, let's send Baranski and Weasley's mom acapella. <laughs> we ran out of studio musicians. Listen, the guy with the xylophone's sick. They're going to have to go acapella today. Yeah, they also do that at the top of Super Trooper. The outfits in Super Trooper oh. are from Ricky and the Flash? <laughs> the crossover that I, I I was very excited because when we talked about it the other day, Caitlin, you're like, I know it's in the first, it's in one of them, but I don't remember which one. And I was like, oh, I hope it's the first one, <laughs> and it is the first one, and it's it's they sick. bring them back in the second one. They for, do for the credit sequence. The credit sequences in both movies are worth a watch. Super mm. Trooper is great, especially because the men wear them too. 
And they kind of have this, like, sheepish expression. Like, they're like, <laughs> this is kind of gay, huh, boys? But, like, they love it anyway. They have, like, a no, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, barely there. And I feel like usually that's all that's there when mm. you put straight men in, like, full-on jumpsuits with frilly sleeves. That is such, like, an international movie. I mean, and I think that that is something that we don't talk a lot about on this podcast that does make a difference where it's, like, this movie was hugely let me let me look up exactly how hugely successful but it was it was a big international movie and i feel like with movies that are intended to do really well internationally it is very frequently like they will only hint at progressiveness and they won't go all the way out because they're like well then china will not show it in theaters you, you mean know? in terms of like having like harry be identifiably queer in the movie although he does not kiss his partner at the end they right. only hug it's very it's weird stuff like that where <laughs> yeah. it's like at, by the end of this movie all the hetero people are literally soaking wet and fucking yeah and the one queer character they're gets hugging. a little hug. they're hugging right yeah and the same the same with and this goes into like what we were talking about yesterday with like the vague like 90s 2000s still sometimes now like you go girl freedom and progressiveness and you know like pro woman stuff but then also you still have to get married at the end and mm-hmm. that's i don't know i mean that those are the movies that do well internationally right because i mean that's just like the hollywood narrative you know carol it's like... was not a hit in china well, <laughs> that's what I, I'm would, saying. I would throw in the mix to that theory that perhaps musicals just do well internationally because that's true. it's a visual thing there's just... less nuance lost in translation and that's dubbing true. and stuff this movie costs 52 million dollars made 615 million dollars dude why it... don't we have eight mamma mia's i know it made a ton of money but like with harry's character there's a scene where he tries to come out to Bill. They're in the yeah, boat, and yeah. he's trying to come out, and then they, they it ends up they're talking about different things, and then... Well, I thought he wasn't trying to come out. I thought he was trying to tell him about Sophie, and Stone Skarsgård's thinking he's trying to come out. And then they throw in the fucking... Actually, oh. I am gay thing is like a bit, almost. It's, uh. it's unclear, exactly, because yeah. I interpret it as him trying to come out <laughs> maybe i don't know it's it's very unclear but in any case at the very end he does he's like oh now i have a reason to stay and he looks to like this handsome guy who's like sitting at the wedding and then they have a hug at the end but yeah like <laughs> a light hug right so it's it's representation <laughs> on screen of an identifiably queer person but it's so glossed over and we don't, yeah, we don't get to see a kiss. No. We don't, but because we do get to see Bill and Mrs. Bird kiss uh, yes. a lot, yeah. which well, I do yes. enjoy that it's like old. Usually we don't see older people like get to be sexual on screen. Like mm-hmm. I wish we would. A more made me so horny. Oh my God. <laughs> that that wild scene that Chris. With the pigeon, I was fucking wet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but the one where Baranski's like, in a, a beach full of young people and yes. it's like i could fuck all of you and like that's the whole song she's just kind of like wanting to fuck a whole beach full of she's people saying, in i'm their not gonna date 20s. any of you yeah we will only fuck that's great I love and then that. there's that one guy in particular who like seems that's to be really into her she blows she him. does fuck him yeah she fucked him on the bachelorette party night, and then the oh. next morning he's like, "Hey, how about it?" And she's like, "No, no, no, I was drunk. We're not talking right, about right, it." Right, 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 right. He is the she same man. Him. 
that you need to. No, he does, but she actually ties a towel into a diaper around him instead to show that he's a baby. Yeah. It's a I'm big misdirection. <laughs> he is the same man that says, "Now, baby, this ought to tickle your taste buds." Oh, right, 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 right. That's his first ah! introduction into the film. In case you were trying to track it. Well, so they, so he's like a good two to three decades younger than oh, her. Oh, he's. I'm pretty sure, like. 17 years old yeah he's extremely young he's freshly he legal yeah. yeah and again unclear how old like meryl and her friends are because apparently they're 37, they're 37. Yeah, poor amanda so seyfried's like 40 and then <laughs> it's un- yeah that would have to be what happened unclear but uh yeah so we, we see like christine being romantically involved with a much younger guy usually we don't see that in movies mm-hmm. usually it's tom cruise who's 55 and then you know a woman who's 25 or you know any combination of older actors and much younger Meryl might even be older older than Pierce I think Meryl's 69 I don't know how old Pierce is I want to say like 63 she's older than all three of her love interests in this movie she's born 49 I think that respectively I don't know who is who but it's like 51 53 60 Colin Firth is 11 years younger than her Wow. So uh, fucking swish for Meryl. That's great. And, and then, swish for Colin Firth. I mean, everyone wins. Right, right, right. In this fuck pile, we all win. <laughs> a hole's a hole. Mm-hmm. And then a hole is a hole is a hole. The fuck pile between Mrs. Bird, whose character's name is actually Rosie. Rosie. And but, Tanya, right? Yeah. Tanya. Oh, yeah. That's, that's um, Baranski. Christine. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, Rosie is going after Bill and aggressively, very aggressively. Like if the genders were reversed, we'd be freaked out. We'd be, we'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So she's pursuing him, and again, you don't often see uh-uh. a woman pursuing, especially that she actually gets him, and she gets him because he like usually if a woman's pursuing, it's to be like, Ugh, creepy, gross hag won't leave me alone. Mm-hmm. But it's like yeah. actually. I like her. I'll go, I'll go for she it. She knows what she wants. And they, they kiss a lot and they're like. She does have to chase it around the away. entire villa first and right. have a near death experience, but it pays <laughs> off. <laughs> so again, we can't, there's so much of this movie that we can't really take at face value because nothing <laughs> makes sense bullshit. and it's so campy it's and it's bullshit. so silly and nothing makes sense. But the things that do happen, it's like, okay, like, older people like being sexual that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. an older woman and a younger guy like that's pretty cool harry i want to go back to harry and like harry headbanger of course harry headbanger (laughs) like i get it they have to appeal to international markets and it's 2008 you know this is still a time where and not to say that clay aiken couldn't win american idol it was right. a different time. It's it's true. A different time. So it's really only like a tiny glimpse or a hint of queerness. A uh, whisper. A whisper mm. of it, if a you will. Ris- a whisper of queerness. Because we spent so much time on like Bill and Mrs. Bird. Mrs. Bird like picking up Bill with her talons because she's a literal bird. Her t- uh, <laughs> oh, oh, it's like... Leave but no. <laughs> um, and we spend a lot of time on Sam and Donna ending up together at the end, but we can't spend any time on Harry exploring his sexuality. Well, I feel like it's not dealt with horribly, but it's like to an extent, and I'm sure, and I haven't seen the musical, but I, I would wager or guess that this would be even more egregious in the musical just because it's older, that him being queer is almost like a punchline just mm-hmm. to take him out of the running mm-hmm. as it were for Meryl's heart right um but I, I don't know I haven't seen the musical I and I don't remember how that plays out but um I want to see it <laughs> 
Yeah, so would uh, we have liked to have seen more than what we're given? Sure. Is but, that a question? Um... Is that a real question? <laughs> I would always like to see more queerness. Right. I, would, yeah. I will not rest until every single person, both actors and characters, are queer in movies. <laughs> Imagine how awesome an all-queer version of Mamma Mia would be. <gasps> it would be oh so Oh, my God. Fun. It basically is, so right. why not just let it be, yeah. you know? Yes. I want a threesome yeah. between Mrs. Weasley. Where... <laughs> Yeah, it should be, like, a young trans person who's, like, I want to know which, uh, like, sperm donor. Yes. Who, mm-hmm. like... Only to see if I'm going to get Alzheimer's. <laughs> right, right. My only motive. Right, right, right. <laughs> Very practical. Yeah. Yeah, that should be the story. And I also want to talk about how uh, the reviews for this movie versus Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh. So, <laughs> in 2008... On Rotten Tomatoes, it only got a 54% fresh. So Critic this was or audience? not critics. Mm-hmm. So critics did not especially like this movie. It was about <laughs> half and half where they were like, eh, it's okay. And the other ones were like, boo. But uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, as of this recording, has an 80% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And Critic? Pe- critics. So people have been pointing Retribution. out. Retribution. Right. <laughs> and it's not it's not as though Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again is a much better movie than Mamma Mia. I would say Mama it's Mia. far worse based alone on the fact that Meryl Streep is not really in it. <laughs> yeah. That was the only but, reason Meryl Streep is good in Mamma Mia 1 is because it's Meryl Streep. <laughs> right. Ma- but Mamma Mia, Here She's We Go right. Again does have Fernando in it making it the better movie. But Yeah, but <laughs> I do want to see that movie now. But you have to. I do. Yeah, I mean, now that I've really loved the first one, <laughs> I'm like, Doubt 2 better be good. You know, if you skipped Mamma Mia 2, Doubt 2 better be a fucking banger. <laughs> so the point is, people are talking about how it's not as though the sequel is any better. It's just that, like, the cultural landscape has shifted. It's that Donald Trump is president. <laughs> in a bit, in people need to feel years. happy more yes. right. than they used to. Yes. And I think it's just that, like, critics are a little more tolerant of like a female driven story about a woman who humps a bunch of guys. Okay. Humps. <laughs> that is an attack. I can't believe you just used that word. In um, seriousness. I love humping. humping. No, I no. Humping. no, 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 I, I will leave. <laughs> Cause like many filmmakers are straight white men. Mm-hmm. So are many movie critics. So no uh, I know. I don't know. I just wanted to point out the disparity between like the fresh and rotten ratings, like in this 10 year gap between Mm -hmm. the two movies coming out. And it's not as though the sequel is that much better. I think it's just that we're seeing like a little bit of a shift happening in Mm -hmm. our landscape. Yeah, I I agree that like the criticism landscape is shifting. And also there's more like uh, not to toot our own fucking horn Mm -hmm. sorry but there are more like there are other outlets to to talk about movies now that there weren't in 2008 that's true uh, including uh like i mean 2008 that's like og podcast zone that's like we're first locking the gates you Mm -hmm. know yeah Mm -hmm. well i think this movie is my favorite movie (laughs) i love to listen i'm not ashamed to say it i love to feel good yeah i love a feel-good movie i like to feel good I can't usually feel the way I feel after watching Mamma Mia or Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, without a or, lot of drugs. Or Baba Booey. Oh. Or Baba Booey, the movie we're currently <laughs> writing. Or Meta Balls. Is that the word that we were there looking are... for whenever we're like, we have to make up our... Baba Booey? Yeah. This movie makes me feel very Baba Booey. Yeah. <laughs> this movie ends and I go, well, Baba Booey. <laughs> Ooh, Baba Booey. They did go again. <laughs> 
This is maybe Meryl's best year. I mean, she's mm. on one hand in the summer, mm-hmm. she's mama, she's Baba Booey. Yeah. By winter, come winter, <laughs> she's doubting up a storm. Yes. She Spring's has Mama such Mia. Doubts. And then fall is Julia and <laughs> Julia. That's the Meryl spectrum. Like on a scale of <laughs> Donna to Lady, what's her name? Sister Aloysius. Sister Aloysius. Listen, I'm I I stand for Sister Aloysius. Don't get me wrong. Make them boys go loco. <laughs> Aloysius definition. <laughs> Thank you for seeing me. That's <laughs> oh, great. The crowns never we deserve. So uh, that's everything I had. I think. Oh, I have so much more. Um, how much? We have an hour. How much? <laughs> we have three more hours. Uh, I would just like to add my one thing that. Um, women are horny. Triple underline horny. <laughs> that's um. I think that's the thesis of Mamma Mia one and Mamma Mia two. Actually, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I would. I would argue that this movie is, for the most part, pretty sex positive. There yeah. is a, a, yes. a moment where Donna slut shames herself by literally calling yes. herself a, a slut. slut. And, and I love self slutting. <laughs> Does that mean masturbating? <laughs> well, I think I I'm just... a slut for me. No, I like. I mean, we're on the Hate Sluts What's Up Network right now, uh, so I, I don't know. I but like, then the ca- fucking friends immediately are like, "No, that sounds like your mom." Yeah, which betrays the second one, in which the mom is Cher, and I think actually Cher in that universe. I'm not totally sure, right? Because <laughs> it's like in this one, in the first one, they say, "A, my mom's dead." B, my mom was Catholic. She put so much Catholic guilt on me that when she found out I was pregnant, I wasn't allowed to come home, which is why I'm still in Calgary or whatever the fuck it's called. Right. And she would call, she called me a slut when she found out I had sex with strangers. Mm-hmm. In the new one, she was too much of a rock star to be around, and it's also Sharon. She's not dead. <laughs> I do like that the setup of Mamma Mia 1 is that Meryl Streep is literally marooned on Fuck Island <laughs> for life. That's the, that's the caption underneath Mamma Mia. Marooned on Fuck Island. Fuck Island. And then underneath that, semicolon, semicolon, women get horny too. <laughs> Although that was when I was like, oh. She got pregnant as a very young woman. Her parents didn't understand. And then she began to manage a hotel. What is this? Gilmore Girls? Oh, oh I've never seen it. I Swish. hate women. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for finally saying it. Now we can end the podcast. <laughs> Actually, I'm not a fan. Get out of here. Um, did, did, did you have anything else you want to say, Caitlin? Uh, <laughs> we haven't changed your mind i'm so surprised i just and i like abba it's not that i don't like abba i like most of the cast i'm here for meryl i'm here it was weird to me to see stalin skarsgård as like a romantic interest because he's played a villain in so many movies where i'm just like oh yeah you saw a girl with a dragon tattoo too recently yeah yeah (laughs) but uh you know i'm here for i think uh, the cast is largely made up of very talented people love christine Baranski love mrs bird and paddington and paddington 2 of course Mm -hmm. but i i mean it's just i'm not a big musical person so i just am not and really it boils down to the story making no sense they reverse Mm -hmm. engineered the story based on abba songs and it you can tell the whole thing feels like a fever dream it really does I think it does work better as a staged production, as a movie. Don't think it works as well. 
But yeah, I don't know. I do think it, it does have some things going for it. It's largely about female friendship. It's largely about a strong bond between mother and daughter. It mostly promotes sex positivity. Uh, it is about like generally men like embracing their roles as fathers. And even though they don't know like even which one of them it is, they're all like, yeah, I'll be your dad. I'll be one third of your daddy. I'll and... take the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think it, it promotes some positive messages. It's on the right track. It's on the I'd right track. I'd say generally track. it's on the right track. And, in, and unfortunately, a, a blockbuster movie in 2008, being on the right track is better than most movies. True. Does it improve upon any of that and take it even further and more progressive in the sequel? No, I would not say that. But see it for yourselves, everybody. Can you believe the doubt only made $50 million at the box office? I mean, it did over double its budget. It's I was going to say, I'm surprised film. it made that much. Um, it's mostly me. <laughs> that is at least $10 million is me and my mom going to see doubt all the time, like fucking psychos, <laughs> really working through some shit that, oh, that winter. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's see if it, it passes the Bechdel test, shall we? It's a really weak drum roll. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like... Can you hear the drum roll, Fernando? Ooh, there it is. It's yeah, not in this movie. Oh, it should be. It's the best. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, I would say uh, the song where Sophie and her friends, Ali and Lisa, are talking about being the greatest, bestest mates, because they all name themselves, and they and do not never talk seen about, again. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't talk about men, so I would say that passes the Bechdel test. There's a, a few different combos of it passing. It passes between... Donna and Sophie, it passes between Donna and Rosie and Tanya, um, mm -hmm. and I think a couple other combos here now. Largely, the conversations are about men. It's yeah. like, okay, who's my daddy? Or who's my daughter's daddy? <laughs> who's my daddy? Or who's, who's anybody's daddy? The first couple I caught were uh, between two and four line exchanges. It's not like we're having long conversations that aren't about, because this is sort of a you know male-rooted story, and f even when there are good things going on. But it, it does pass uh, in terms of it being, I mean, it's, it sh needs should be said it is a, an extremely Caucasian movie. Mm -hmm. um, which is In Greece. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm so in, confused. It, it is, it's very shitty and typical for for that to be the case the and diversity is um two brunettes <laughs> literally yeah it's like oh someone not have flesh color hair the young guy who christine baranski's character sleeps with yes and flirts with is the only person of color who has with the lines line. yeah i think that that is true uh, again if i need to get my notes back out let me just remind you what his line is now, baby, this how to tickle your taste buds. <laughs> he does have a line. So at least it's a, a hell of a line. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's a, it's a super white movie, which sucks. It does pass the Bechdel test. Yes. It has that. Surprisingly, not as much as you think it would, considering mm -hmm. it's all female leads. Yeah, mostly. Yep. Um, but no, they are all talking about either... Sam or Bill or Harry or Sky or Sky. I will chalk that up less to the movie being too male oriented and more to the movie having literally zero scenes that aren't exactly forwarding the plot. <laughs> right. There's no yeah. room to breathe in this entire script. No, because they're like, we need to have 500 songs. <laughs> like yeah. the volume of songs mm. is unnecessary. So much. I feel like I would love to crunch some numbers and see like, I feel like this had <laughs> twice the number of songs. Like, twice the number of songs you would normally... Like, yes. Phantom of the Opera, Mamma Mia, Pound for Pound, there's 
there's 900 songs in this movie <laughs> and they're all strung together by like no more than two lines of dialogue mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> of Meryl Streep's like oh well that song was great and Christine Baranski is like yeah but you know what would be even better the next song <laughs> and they're all humping <laughs> ew humping again <laughs> Um, I think I feel like uh, really oppressed by you being anti-hump. I can't <laughs> handle that word. I'm so sorry. Hump culture is alive nope. and well. <laughs> nope. That's all. Jamie, that you're a hacker. I'm personally a humper. So. I, <laughs> I hacked the dry hump. <laughs> so you hate marriage. I hate the word humping. Yeah. Give me a yeah. bone dry hump, please. Uh, let's rate the movie on our nipple scale, shall we? Yeah. Uh, we rate it based on its portrayal and representation of women. Zero to five nipples. I'm going to, hmm, I'm like between a two and a two and a half on this one, I think, mm-hmm. uh, because even though the movie does have a lot of things going for it in terms of its like celebration of female friendship and mother-daughter relationships and sex positivity, things like that, it is the story deeply rooted in a woman desperately needing a man to make her feel more complete. Yeah. It is rooted in every female character that we spend any significant amount of screen time with ending up with a man there is a glimpse of queerness in this movie but it's so i would say glossed over that it may as well not even be there like it it i mean i i wish it was explored much more as far as like character development goes like for the movie being about sophie she's the protagonist she's got the main desire and it's her goal that is pushing the story forward. We don't really get to know that much about her, and like her character development is all wonky because, again, the story makes no sense, mm-hmm. and her reactions often make no sense because they have to fit in with whatever Abba song they decided was next. So I feel like... <laughs> I would say, I mean, my counterpoint there would be that no characters are super well developed to the point where the male characters are not developed at all. We know, mm-hmm. like, one thing about them, and it's that they had sex with Meryl Streep 20 years ago, and they can't get over it. True. Like, that's... So I I think that that's more that it's not a well-written story right. than anything else. But, I, yeah. Yeah, so I... Th- yeah, two and a half nipples for me. Give them two. I'll give one to Donna. I'll give one to Christine Baranski, and I'll give one half nipple to Mrs. Bird specifically in Paddington Two. Ooh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be generous here, and I'm gonna give it a three. Obviously, there's virtually no diversity in this movie whatsoever, but it is nice to see a story that, for its flaws, is very empowering towards not just female sexuality, but older women uh mm-hmm. be like it's okay for older women to be single to have sex to it's like just not themes you see very often in movies and i think it's really smart because who is the prime audience for this movie is like older women mm-hmm. <laughs> and so having a movie that uplifts them i feel like almost every time that's done those types of movies tend to do really well uh when they're like servicing their audience so yeah, and then and I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. This movie is it's so f- and it's just so fun. And Meryl's so good. And Christine Baranski, that's three nipples right there. <laughs> she has two. But there that we know of. I'm giving all three of my nipples to Christine Baranski because I feel like she has an extra, like a spare tire. <laughs> Neil, how many nips would you give it? I would say I would give it a full four. If there was a single non-white woman that mm-hmm. got more than one line, but I feel like you can't talk about women and not include not white women at all. Yeah, right. 
So I would say maybe three, only because every woman except fucking Amanda Seyfried, who we've already said is insufferable in this movie, <sighs> has also a very established career. Yeah. Like, Christine's got a shit ton of money. Fucking Mrs. Bird's an accomplished cookbook author. People <laughs> recognize her. Yeah. Meryl Streep owns her own hotel and works a power drill. Yeah. Yeah, we get to see her, like, with a fucking tool belt. And, like, yeah, with a drill. It's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, it's just every woman in this, like, has a job that she's good at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't get Such to see that very much. And they're not depicted as, like, workhorse, bitter old hags. <laughs> True. They still yeah. get drunk and fuck. <laughs> yeah. And they have fun. And it seems like Meryl Streep genuinely enjoys being marooned on Fuck Island. And she yeah. likes it. Yeah. She, she loves it. I, the, okay. This is the last thing where she is clearly good at her job. But she also seems to care very little that her hotel is fucking busted. Oh, no. Like she that, smells like she got money from somewhere. That's not the hotel for sure. That moment where, like, the foundation of her hotel cracks in half. She is like, whew, wild. And then they just keep singing Alpha song. She literally cheers. I, yeah. All right, because it's the spring of Aphrodite. That right. And I also, like, you now the need Earth's to fly in a structural engineer to re-engineer your whole fucking house. God. Your foundation's cracked. You're so fucked. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that is, I think, the beginning of the end for this no, business. No, it's like a multi-million dollar mistake. You just <laughs> and she's like, well, it's Greece, and so let's say the name of a god. I'm going to give all three nipples to um, Pierce Brosnan because I just feel really bad for him. <laughs> mm. He really did give it his all in this movie and it was a miss. It was not it good. It was a, a miss. And it's obviously not good and I feel really bad about that. He tried something new. <laughs> something I, I do, I, it is very fun to watch an actor really swing for the fences and miss yeah. see Ashton Kutcher in Jobs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hot like reference. You can tell you like this is the role of a lifetime and it's like not you for are you, but Screaming, buddy. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, well, Miel, thank you so much for being here. Oh, yeah. I love talking about Mama Mia. <laughs> she would have been doing this anyways in the street. I'll just text Jamie. <laughs> uh, where can people follow you online? Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, you can follow me at Miel or Miel Monster on anything. And um, I have a podcast called Punch of the Jam. It's great. Yeah, we every week pick apart a different song and then remake it. Nice. With friend uh, of the cast, Demi. Demi. Yeah, Demi Dijuebe and I. And um, it's good. I'm going to say it. It's good. Yeah. It's fucking God good. God damn it. It's a good, good fucking podcast. <laughs> I sh- actually, I my mom gave me, when she figured out what a podcast was last week, mm-hmm. she's like, you can sign me up for five. <laughs> and I, she was like, I can't handle more than five. So I gave her, I gave her a few, but I gave her Punch Up the Jam and <gasps> she you. is loving it. I love oh, my new fan. She's <laughs> loving Jamie's it. Jamie's mom. <laughs> to be fair, she's only listened to the episode that I'm on, but she's, she's it's like. It's one of my favorite episodes. It was so fun. And she was like, they're fun. I like them. And then she Googled Imaged you both. Oh my so, god, thank you. There you go. Because my voice sounds so annoying. She's like, what does she look like? <laughs> She's like, I just wanted to picture what the room was like. Oh, <laughs> I love her. Shout out, Jill. Oh, yay. Well, you can follow the Bechtel cast on social media at Bechtelcast, and you can sign up for our Matreon. It's $5 a month, and you get two bonus episodes, like, for instance, Doubt. Yes. Oh, Doubt August. It's it's my birthday month, and we're doing Doubt and Hackers. Mm. Leo season, baby. Yeah, <laughs> fully our upon us. Roar, roar. Uh, and you can go to our website, bechtelcast.com. If you go to the store there, you can buy all of our merch. We've got T-shirts. We've got mugs. We've got notebooks. Queer tote bags. icon. Feminist icon. 
cartoons of us. Oh, feminist icon Alfred Molina, which reminds me, Alfred Molina could have played any of the dads better than any of the dads. <laughs> Give me a Deep Roy in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Oompa Loompa style, three Albert, Alfred Molinas. <laughs> oh my God, I just had a panic attack. Anyways, uh, that's the show. Yeah, because, <laughs> uh, why weren't there any cats in this movie? Yeah. It's, What's with the lack of cats? I know, but anyway. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Here we go again. (laughs) Fernando, we're all dancing queens, and we're super troopers. Yes, dancing queens. And uh, we're uh, other stuff. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.